Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic's Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, of course. And always, as always, um, we get wonderful engineering duties here by Alan, the wonderful Alan. He just goes by his first name, Alan Dempsey. He's good. And uh, Andrew Herdliska is our producer. And in the first segment, Jamie Rasmussen is with us, senior pastor of Scottsdale Bible Church in Arizona. Jamie, I'm so glad you can join me. I'm uh, eager to talk to you. Well, thanks for having me on, Pat. The name of the book is... How Joyful People Think. Uh, Where did that idea come from, Jamie? Yeah, you know, it it came from a few years ago. I was, uh, you know, stuck on what to speak on to my church and all that, and it just hit me that Christians uh, aren't the most known for their joy. They're not the most naturally joyful people on planet Earth, which is a shame because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus told us that he wants to, you know, give us his joy as part of following him. And yet if you ask the neighbor or acquaintance of the of an average Christian, you know, describe the Christian you know, they'll say serious, sober, politically involved, doctrinal, dogmatic, things like that. But rarely do you hear joy. And so I thought, you know, we need to address this topic because we need to have a joy infusion among Christians. And then as I started to look into it, you know, joy truly is an emotion, but it's an emotion that comes, as the Bible tells us, from how we think. It's a byproduct of right thinking and a right focus on the Lord, and then He gives us His joy. You open your book with this topic, The Power of a Biblical Whatever, Eight Ways of Thinking That Will Help You Get the Most Out of Life. Uh, Fill us in on that opening chapter. Yeah, the whole book, Pat, is based upon one verse in the Bible. Imagine that, ten chapters, one verse. Really? And it's a very, very yeah, a very common verse that Christians know. It's, it's Philippians 4.8 that says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever mm. is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then verse 9 gives us the promise. It says, And the God of peace will be with you. Mm-hmm. And Peace and joy are always bedfellows in the Bible, and so if you have peace, you have joy. And so the the word whatever appears six times in Philippians 4.8. It's a precursor to six of the eight attitudes or lines of thought. And the word doesn't mean what we think it means today. You know, we use the word whatever today as kind of a fatalistic, you know, whatever, uh, or our kids use it in a sarcastic way, you know, whatever. But the way the Bible is using it is as a visionary word, a word of extent. It means as much as, as long as. It's telling us to dream. So it's saying, you know, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just in your life, you know, run the gamut in your thinking when it comes to those things. Dream of all the possibilities of how if you were to think those ways, how that might affect your life and change your thinking and eventually change your joy. So whatever it's a very important word in Philippians 4.8 and in our thinking. The second topic you write about is two ways of seeing, merging personal truth with transcendent truth, whatever is true. What's the story here? Yeah, you know, the, the book is actually you know a very interesting book in the sense that it's probably half academic or intellectual and half very practical and, and kind of a storytelling. In other words, what I do is I take each of the eight lines of thought, and you're mentioning the first one there, mm-hmm. and we do a deep dive, Pat, into what that word meant 
when it was coined by Paul the Apostle 2,000 years ago within a Greco-Roman history, you know, spanning four to 500 years of usage of that word. That word, whatever is true, is the Greek word alethes, and fascinating, when it's used in the New Testament, it refers to either personal truth or transcendent truth. So it can mean the transcendent truth of God, truths that are absolute, universal, always true, anywhere true, because they come from God, His truths. But it can also mean personal truth, the truth of just who you and I are. I might say my car is blue. Well, that's not a transcendent truth. That's a personal truth to me. And so the beauty of that word being used both those ways in the New Testament is that when it comes to Philippians 4.8, it's probably referring to both and even more so the intersection of personal and transcendent truth. So could it be telling us that our personal truth, the truth of who you are, are, who I am, who your listeners are, needs to intersect every day with God's transcendent truth is contained in his word. And when that happens, and I tell some stories of how that happens, uh, we find joy because we're in that sweet spot that God wants us in. Come, cool, collected. That's the next topic. Embracing mm-hmm. wisdom in a world gone mad, whatever is honorable. Yeah, yeah. That's probably my favorite chapter, Pat, especially for men, because it's chapter three in the book, and, uh, and, and that word honorable is actually a very tricky word. It's, it's translated noble by some translations, and it, it's the Greek word semnos. It appears about four or five times in the New Testament, but we know a lot about it from its Greco-Roman heritage. And get this, the the word when you get right down to it means steady, stable, somebody who's, you know, not rattled by the world and crap going on around them. It's describing a non-reactionary person, somebody who doesn't react to everything going on around them, but is able to stay, well, honorable or calm, cool, and collected in the midst of all the stuff going on around them. And I argue in the chapter, Pat, that we all love people like that. Like some of our most safest people that we hang around are those kind of people, a good counselor, a pastor, a dear friend, a family member. Uh, but, but most of us struggle to be like that. And so we give three anecdotes in the, in the chapter, three things in the recipe, uh, self-control, wisdom, and steadfastness on how to develop more of a non-reactionary uh, approach to life. Because when you can be that way, you will actually find yourself more joyful at the end of the day. Next topic, thoughts that heal, standing for true justice, whatever is just. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love this one. It's one of my favorites, actually. Whatever is just, uh, think about these things. And it mm-hmm. fits real well with where the Church should be in many ways is today, uh, because it's basically saying that we need to pursue avenues of justice to help this world and to make this world a better place. And I, I point out that, you know, if there's 7 billion people in the world and one-third are Christian, that's kind of the best estimate of demographers, then, you know, imagine what would happen if two billion Christians were to each just choose one area of justice, just one, for the rest of their lives that they would, you know, work at chipping away at. We'd have a justice revolution uh, in this world, and we'd make a much bigger dent than maybe we even are now. And then again, the, the Bible's tricky at times. That same word for justice is also used to not refer to just doing justice, but to being a just person, like God is a just person, and forgiving people around you. That's what that word means. God was just and provided Christ for us and forgave us our sins. And so again, imagine what would happen if Christians could be the most forgiving people on planet Earth as we're also righting all the wrongs around us. And again, the result of this, path, <laughs> obviously, is an incredible joy that comes to us when we are this way. Jamie Rasmussen is our guest senior pastor of Scottsdale Bible Church in Arizona. How joyful people think. Uh, Next topic, the myth of individual holiness, a relational approach to purity, whatever is pure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, most people, when they hear the word holy, Pat, H-O-L-Y, they think of their behavior, and rightly so, because the Bible postures holiness many times in light of how we act. Uh, but it's fascinating. In Philippians 4.8, the word used there in the Greek is a cognate of the main word for holiness, which is the word hagios. It uses the word hagnos here. And when you trace 
the way hognos is used in the New Testament. It is used in a behavioral way, but watch this. It's also used in a relational way. In other words, our holiness is measured not just by our behaviors, but how we actually relate to those around us. And again, I don't know about you, Pat, but for me as a man especially, that's unnerving. Because what God is telling me is that my sanctification is going to be measured each moment of each day in every relational interaction that I have. And quite frankly, that's a lot harder than just getting some of my, most of my behaviors right. Jamie Rasmussen is our guest. we got more with Jamie talking about his book, How Joyful People Think. Just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Kevin Picorni. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design right here, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is Michael Medved here with Mike Stahl from Health Markets, helping folks find the right Medicare coverage. The news reports say that the rates might be going down. The cost of many Medicare plans are decreasing this year. So you have to ask yourself, are you getting the best rate? Health Markets offers a free service with access to thousands of Medicare plans, plans that can eliminate your out-of-pocket costs, plans with $0 premiums, and even plans that pay you back. What is it people need to keep in mind? With so many new options, it can be confusing. You can get objective help to find a plan that may cost less and cover more. With lower copays, more choices like dental, vision, and prescription drug coverage, and the freedom to see the doctors you choose. Don't miss out on savings you deserve. Our Health Markets Medicare assistance is free. Thanks, Mike. This is Michael Medved for Health Markets. Find out if you can get a Medicare plan that pays you back. Call 800-735-8803. That's 800-735-8803. 800-735-8803. My name is Paul Blair. I used to play professional football for the Chicago Bears in the 1980s, but for the last 17-plus years, I've been pastoring and serving the Lord full-time. I'm honored to be joining you pastors in the Central Florida area at this year's 94.9 FM AM 950 Pastors Appreciation Brunch presented by Timothy Plan on October the 11th at the Rosen Plaza. Pre-register now at thewordorlando.com. I look forward to seeing you there. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Jamie Rasmussen, senior pastor of Scottsdale Bible Church in Arizona. He's with us. We're talking about his book, How Joyful People Think. And we've covered the first five topics, Jamie. Now, uh, I want you to explain to us Christian hedonists why you should pursue pleasure, whatever is lovely. Yeah, that's an amazing word, Pat. It's, uh, it, 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 in, the, in the original Greek that the Bible was written, is, it's Greek word prosphiles, and the reason that's important to know is because it's a combination of two Greek words, pros, which means toward, and then philes, which is phileo, which means love. Mm-hmm. And so it means to move in your thinking toward love, but here's the amazing thing and life-giving thing about this word is that it's referring to pleasurable love. Phileo is the kind of love that you pursue either in a relationship or in areas of your life that just gives you pleasure. And most Christians don't talk enough about that, that God says that, you know, rightly activated in your life, it's okay and even good to seek pleasurable things in this world, just with God's guardrails around it. John Piper calls that being a Christian hedonist, you know, finding pleasure in the things of God and in the things God says that you can. So in that chapter, we explore what are those pleasurable things in our thinking and acting that we can find uh, joy in, and they are safe people, solid activities, and a sound view of God. And so I talk about what it means to find safe people around you and engaging in solid activities that give you joy and then a sound or right view of God. 
And again, if we can learn to do that and even think like that, we're going to be a lot more joyful people simply because we're following God in His Word. Uh, Jamie, Dr. Warren Wearsby, Bible teacher, author, uh, has a life verse, and he always signs it under his name. And here it is, Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yeah. That's Warren Wearsby's life verse, and I think it dovetails exactly with what you just said. Yeah, very much so, very much so. And again, imagine if every Christian was to be like Wearsby there and to you know not be afraid to find their pleasure in God, and even in the things that God says, you know, go for it in, uh, the relationships and activities around us, man, we'd be a really free people and a really joyful people. I want you to talk now about your life on a billboard, yeah. where who you are meets what others see, whatever is commendable. Yeah. This one's a tricky one, Pat, because that word commendable is, again, a combination of two Greek words in, in the Bible's day. Uh, it's the Greek word euphemos, and the word you means good, and famos means report. So what's really getting at there is to think about your life in such a way that people would look at your life and give a good report. So it's talking about your reputation. And the reason it's tricky is because when you analyze what a reputation is, there's two components to it, and that is our behavior and others' observations and what they say about our behavior. And I actually give a quadrant in the chapter. I'm not going to bore people with it now, but it's a, it's a pretty neat quadrant where it talks about what happens when you combine your behavior and others' observations. You can have a good reputation, a bad reputation, a fair reputation, or an unfair reputation. And part of it we can control in our thinking and behaving, our behavior. The other part we can't. Uh, we live in a crazy world at times, and the way people observe us might be fair or unfair, good or bad. We can't control all of that, but what we can do is think reputation, control our behavior as best we can, and when we do that, our reputation stands the best chance to be solid. And again, that's something that will give us joy. Tell us now, uh, Jamie, about a new kind of awesome linking excellence to the things that matter, if there is any excellence. Yeah, that's a neat, neat uh, idea, this idea of excellence. I'll tell you why, Pat, because back in the Greek era, if people know anything about Greek history, you probably know it was an era of excellence between the Greek gods and the Greek commerce system and the Greek arts and the Greek form of thinking with Plato and Socrates and what have you. I mean, it was just overdosed on excellence, very similar to our age today. And so when Paul says there, you know, think excellence, you're tempted to think either the Greek system of excellence or the American system of excellence. What's fascinating, however, is when you track this word through the New Testament, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about an excellence that is both biblically guided and spirit-empowered. And that changes the game of excellence, because what our world describes as success and excellence might not be at all a biblically guided, spirit-empowered form of excellence uh, that the Bible describes. And so for me, Pat, I find that incredibly freeing, that I don't have to match my definition of excellence based on what the world says. I can match it based on what God says about me. And again, it's a game changer, and we learn to view reality like that, that form of excellence. And I give some examples in the chapter on how that can be so. It's going to give us joy. Now I want you to talk about your ace in the hole. Yeah. The twin tunnels of praise, if there is anything worthy of praise. Yeah. Well, here's what I kind of fun-lovingly do in that chapter, is I basically say that if everything else fails, if you're having just a terrible day where, you know, whatever is true and whatever is, is honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellence is not working, and we all have days like that, your ace in the hole is praise, because you can always choose even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances, to praise. 
And praise is, is a bit more comp- complicated, or I guess maybe in-depth, than most Christian realize. It's not just lifting hands and worship and singing a song. Praise is about appraising who God is, approving of who God is, and applauding who, or applauding who God is. And so once we can learn to appraise, approve, and applause, uh, we will find ourselves naturally being drawn toward God in praise, no matter where we are, driving down the road, whatever. And again, if everything else is going south, that can become our true north and become our ace in the hole when it comes to joy. Now let's get to number 10, a peace-driven life, getting the most out of your thinking. Think about these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Yeah. You know, the most wooden way to translate verse 9 there in that promise, Pat, is a uh, is to translate it this way, and the God who is peace mm. will be with you. So really the promise is that God is going to give us a deep sense of his presence with us if we learn to think and focus on him in these ways, and in that sense of his presence <coughs> excuse me, will be peace. And I, and I tell a story in there about how when I was in junior high I had tremendous anxiety as a little boy, and, and, and my mom used to tell me every day she'll be waiting for me at the end of school, and she'd be waiting for me when I ran home from school. And I don't remember a word that she said to me back in junior high when she'd be waiting for me, but at the age of 54, going on 55, I can still remember that sense of her presence mm. and how that presence changed everything, and that's what God wants to do for us. That's a great story about your mother. No, thank you. And she was a not obviously not a working mother, right? She was a yeah. Back then, especially, you know, Dad was a lawyer and Mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she could be there every day when I got home from school. That was just kind of the way the world was back then. Jamie, there's an afterword to your book. Yeah. Uh, what does it say? Well, uh, the the afterword is is I had a business guy once tell me when I was pastoring a church back in uh in Detroit. He said, you know, if you can't put it on one page, it's not worth presenting. Mm. And uh, so <laughs> when I wrote the book, it all fit on one page. When they went to the printer, it actually fit on two, so it's kind of funny. But I, I, put, I put on the afterward, I put all eight lines of thought, as well as the biblical whatever that comes before them, and I give people just a sentence or two uh, in, in, uh, after each line of thought that they can take home with them and, and remember and focus on, because, again, the book is you know, 45,000 words, but this is just one page that you can use as kind of a cheat sheet. Uh, and, and if you don't want to read the book, just go to that afterward, <laughs> and it'll tell you what the core is behind each line of thinking and how they can change your life. Well, I have uh, benefited from uh, your book and this chat, Jamie, uh, particularly this word, whatever. I mean, yeah. you hear it all the time. I hear it from my grandchildren. Whatever. Well, you've <laughs> taken whatever and given it a brand new life, uh, the way you've attacked uh, Philippians 4.8, where whatever appears, I don't think the Apostle Paul was thinking the pronunciation of it, as we do today, but boy, it's an no. eye-opener. Beautiful. No, it's a Greek word, hosos, and, you know, Dad texted her to this, Pat, it, Jesus used that word, or John used it, describing Jesus as feeding the 5,000, when it says that he took, you know, the, the few fish and loaves, and people ate whatever uh. they wanted. So again, a beautiful picture of how Jesus exploded, you know, those fish and loaves, so that everybody got fed. That's what we're to do in our thinking, whatever. That's the idea behind that word. Jamie, if we attended or dropped in to Scottsdale Bible Church, uh, what would we experience? Well, <laughs> I, here's what I hope you would experience. I mean, it's a, it, it's a rather large church in a, in a wonderful city, and, you know, over the last 10 years that I've been their pastor, we have remained a solid Bible-teaching church, but we've attracted, you know, a lot of younger people, so we're very uh, very multi-generational in our church. And I would like to think that you'd find, you know, a welcoming spirit, a great Bible-teaching, good worship music, and most importantly, um, a fellowship of people that would want to journey with you through life and love you and, uh, and, and, and help you walk with God in a more deeper and rich way. Jamie, how will the state of Arizona remember Senator John McCain? Mm, mm. Well, I think John McCain is a favorite son of Arizona, for sure. Uh, you know, McCain has had incredible backing here, and as you probably know, I'm sure you do, Pat, he 
you know, went up to his favorite place, Sedona, uh, as he was battling his cancer in the last days, because that was the place that he felt closest to his family and to the Lord. Mm. And he's going to be deeply, deeply missed and remembered here. The flags flew half-mast all last week, mm. uh, as people were remembering John McCain. What do you remember about your time uh, pastoring in Detroit? <laughs> well, I pastored in Detroit, you know, and some of the, I mean, Detroit's always had some rough days since the 60s and 70s, but you know, I was there for all of the 90s for an entire decade, and those were the days that we were trying to, as best we can, to give some hope and rebuild uh, Detroit and bridge the race relations and, and all of that. And I was a young, young pastor at that time, cutting my teeth, and they were, Kim and I, my wife, call those the glory days. They were some of the greatest days because the church does its best work in the most difficult circumstances. And uh, Detroit's always been a church city that struggled, at least in the last ha- half century, and yet there's a lot of powerhouse churches there that are given a lot of hope. What do you remember about pastoring in Cleveland? Yeah, well, Cleveland's my hometown, Pat. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Cavs and Browns and Indians fan, uh-huh. so I was born and raised on the east side of Cleveland, and uh, and so I it's, it's it's home for me and always will be. And I got the wonderful joy of going back in the early 2000s and pastoring my home church as the pastor retired there after 25 years. And my wife used to joke it was the most disgustingly healthy church we'd ever been in, <laughs> just extremely grace-based and wonderful. Uh, and, and, and again, to be able to do that in my hometown uh, was just wonderful. And again, I'm I don't care how much people make fun of the Browns. I'll be a forever Browns fan. It's built character in me to be able to lose so well. Uh, that's great. <laughs> Jamie, what is your best advice uh, to people about reading the Bible? Oh, that's a great question. Um, probably my best advice would be to find you know a translation that that speaks to you, whether it's the New International Version or the Message, or even if you're more of an academic, uh, ESV or the New American Standard, or even the Old King James, just find whatever speaks to you. And, you know, go, if you're just starting out, go to the, the most simple storybook in the Bible, the Gospel of John, and just ask one thing of God before you start reading. Just say, God, speak to me. Just speak to me through your word. I do that every every day when I study the Bible, mm. and God's good for it, Pat. And 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 read and don't you know if you don't understand it, that's okay. Maybe pause and meditate. But the Bible is a lot less complicated than most people make it out to be. And if you ask God to just give you His pearls of wisdom through it, He will. Jamie Rasmussen has been our guest. Senior Pastor of Scottsdale Bible Church, the book, How Joyful People Think. Jamie, great to chat with you. That was terrific. Well, thanks for having me, Pat. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Each Sunday morning at 11.30, Kevin Jordan of Let the Chaplain Speak brings words of comfort to the inmates and the lost. He also provides an insight into the lives of inmates that are incarcerated in jails around Central Florida. Each year, many of these men turn their lives over to Christ. Our Orange County jails house as many as 5,000 and only a handful of chaplains serve these lost souls. See how you can help. Let the Chaplain Speak with Kevin Jordan airs each Sunday morning at 11.30 on 94.9 FN and AM 9. 50 the word. Are you considering private Christian school for your child or grandchild? It's not too late to take that very important step and enroll your student at Pine Castle Christian Academy in Orlando. Pine Castle Christian Academy is a K-3 through 12th grade accredited private Christian school and has been serving families since 1983, equipping students academically, spiritually, and physically for success in college and beyond. As an independent private Christian school, the mission of Pine Castle Christian Academy is to prepare the next generation, one student at a time, to impact the world for Christ. It's not too late to take that very important step and enroll your student at Pine Castle Christian Academy, where your student can flourish in the performing arts, 
Jazz Band and Choir. Are you considering private Christian school for your child or grandchild? It's not too late to take that very important step and enroll your student at Pine Castle Christian Academy in Orlando. Go to PineCastleEagles.org. That's PineCastleEagles.org for Pine Castle Christian Academy. My name is Paul Blair. I'm a former professional football player for the Chicago Bears back in the 1980s, and I've been in full-time ministry preaching the Word of God for now over 17 years. I'll be bringing a message to the pastors of Central Florida. Let's reclaim America for Christ together. At this year's 94.9 FM, AM 950 Pastors Appreciation Brunch, presented by Timothy Plan on October the 11th at the Rosen Plaza. You can pre-register right now at thewordorlando.com. I look forward to seeing you there. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Jamie Rasmussen, our guest in that first segment, talking about his book, How Joyful People Think. Uh, Kenny Luck joins us. He's the leadership pastor at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California. Uh, His new book is out, Dangerous Good, The Coming Revolution of Men Who Care. Uh, Kenny, welcome. It's good to catch up with you. How are you? I know. I'm doing great, Pat. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, we've got to talk about that title, Dangerous Good, The Coming Revolution of Men Who Care. What what does all that mean? Well, you know, you write a lot about this aspiration for greatness, uh, a positive projection of strength as a man that results in benefit and blessing for others and, and deals a strong blow to evil and injustice. You know, I remember us talking in a conversation about the sons of Asher, um, how the Bible describes them as heads of families, choice men, brave warriors, outstanding Mm. leaders, ready for battle. Mm. And um, that's the significance of this title, Dangerous Good. It's, It's the ethos that I believe God has planted in the heart of every man who's listening to project strength but project strength in a positive, compassionate, and caring way that blesses other people. And the model for that is Jesus himself. And so that's where I got the title. Jesus Christ is the original dangerous good man. He brought uh, the world a whole new wave of masculinity that, let's just say, disrupted the broken male culture of his day. But it wasn't by being nice or tolerant. He did it by protecting and defending women, raising the value of children, not pre-qualifying others on the basis of race, and had an impact that today is rippling into the 2.3 billion people who follow him on planet Earth. You open your book, Powerfully Formed Men, Identity, the Lost Lions. Uh, Open that up for us, Kenny. Explain it. Yeah, um... Well, there's an impulse. I had it when I was little. I'm sure a lot of the guys listening had it when they were little. I wore a Batman helmet when I was three. I hardly ever took it off. And that's the impulse I'm talking about, to have power, to project it in a good way, to defend the weak, to stick it to evil. Uh, that, That ethos in a man morphs. Mine morphed into guys running on a gridiron with football helmets. But it's about that, that path to glory that I feel that God has placed in us. And somewhere along the way, because we live in a broken, fallen world, that ethos, that ideal that we have when we're little, it gets corrupted because we live on a broken planet with broken people. Things happen to us. And then our standard gets lowered. And it gets into things like, well, I'm going to be great in the way I see other men being great. Maybe that's power. Maybe that's money and possession. Maybe that's the next pleasure or thrill. And then what ends up happening, Pat, is we lose that ideal. We settle for a brand of masculinity that ends up making us selfish and immature. And then we start bringing pain and suffering to people. So when I talk about the eruption of a generation of men, masculinity, what the future of masculinity portends for humanity. I'm talking about recapturing that ethos of being dangerous with goodness when we're little. That's possible in Christ. And when I talk about the lost lion, Pat, I talk about a generation 
of men who know Christ and who have that impulse, but they've forgotten who they are. And so when I talk about the lost lion, I I refer to uh, Simba from The Lion King, where he's a, a lion, he's lost, he's forgotten who he is, and because he's forgotten who he is and what he's responsible for in that identity, evil is triumphing in the pride. And you live in Orlando, the Lion King is big over at Disney World. And we love the story of Simba recognizing who he is. He's the son of the king. That identity has a responsibility. And he left his identity in, in his father, direct his actions away from this fantasy world of false greatness back into the real stuff. And he decides that that identity is going to motivate his energy and lead to an expression of him confronting evil in his generation. And that's a metaphor, of course, for us as sons of the king who are called by God to uh, be like Christ, the original dangerous good man, and express that in our worlds. Author Kenny Luck is our guest. Uh, Next topic, Kenny, powerfully convicted men, morality, simple but strong. Right. Well, I'm I'm so glad that as a follower of Christ, he made it simple. They asked Jesus, tried to trap him with, hey, what's, what's, what's our purpose? What, what are we here for? And Jesus boiled it all down, and a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with the great commandment. Where he says, hey, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, when, we, when we absorb that, internalize that, we can bring those two convictions into every space we walk. You're really good at this, Pat. You brought those two convictions into the NBA, into business organizations, into your family. No matter where you walked, you had those two convictions driving your, your thoughts. And, and that's, that's the core foundation of morality as a follower of Christ. For the 600 million men walking the planet today who claim a relationship with Jesus, they're to take those two convictions mm. that are simple but strong, into every domain. So what does that look like? Well, wherever I am, what will show love for God and what will show love for people? And if we, if we stand with both feet, Pat, on, on those two convictions and expressing that wherever we are, we'll diffuse conflict, we'll defeat temptation, we'll direct other people well, we'll deliver help, and we'll know right from wrong, and that's the simple but strong morality that God calls every believer in Jesus Christ to. Kenny Luck is our guest, leadership pastor at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California. His book is called Dangerous Good. Kenny, third topic, powerfully connected men, community, the spirit of the rapscallion. Boy, this sounds interesting. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, I, uh, I start off that chapter talking about my two buddies, Todd Pinther and Charlie Dackerman. Uh, Charlie was from New York. Uh, Todd was the middle linebacker on our Pop Warner team, and they were my two buddies. Mm. And, man, we, we, we uh, had a playground in West San Jose, California. And, you know, going over to Charlie's house, he was from New York. It was like a cultural anthropology lesson. Todd was my strong buddy. Nobody messed with him. He wasn't a bully, but nobody messed with him. And uh, we had a fellowship and uh, we were tight and um, we, we were rapscallions, you know, Um, and we were diverse. We, we came from different kinds of families. I'm a Pacific Islander. And uh, I, I, I mentioned that story just in the spirit of the rapscallion where you have a community of little guys, they get together and man, they just have fun, and they're they're up to no bad, you know. They're up to no bad, and 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 in and in Christ, um, the spirit of community among men—that's what is happening right now. You have rich guys, Wall Street guys. You have uh, blue collar guys. You have black, white, Asian, uh, Pacific Islander like me coming together in the spirit of fellowship with a radical transcendent commitment to Christ. And here's the thing. 
just like Todd and Charlie and I benefited from the differences between our cultures and our families. In the body of Christ today, we have dangerous good fellowships that are forming, and they are so diverse, but the common bond is a radical, transcendent commitment to Jesus. I love what Tim Keller says. He says that real spiritual friendship is eagerly helping one another know, serve, and love and resemble God. That's the spirit of the rapscallion, and that's, that's the disciples. That's the men of Pentecost. And so as men in Christ coming together in community, we're better together. Iron sharpens iron. And that's the movement of the dangerous good. You've got communities of men forming, forging Christ-likeness in each other. We're diverse. We're different. But we're forming around Christ and his purposes and expressing those in our community. Now, Kenny, I want you to explain to us powerfully impacted women Dignity, the arsonist and the firefighters. <laughs> well, I, I, I call myself sometimes an arsonist at a firefighters convention because I speak at women's conferences, interestingly enough. And I come in and I talk about culture. I talk about hashtag me too. I talk about toxic masculinity. Um, and I talk directly uh, to, to women uh, where, you know, in today's culture, against the dark, masculine malaise, you'd think, wow, that's not a smart place for a dude to be because there is so much pain, Pat, in the water caused by broken male culture. Mm. But I'll tell you what. Jesus Christ uh, was a guy who broke the mold. Uh, He was a guy who protected and defended women uh, in his time at a time— where broken male culture thought, thank God I'm not a woman. Uh, they were marginalized. They were divorced easily. They were sent into lives of prostitution and um, poverty by religious male culture. And Jesus comes on the scene, and he breaks the mold. I tell a story in that chapter about Deborah the only female leader of Israel in Judges 5, and her right-hand guy, Barak, who's a general. And I tell the story of their partnership and how at a time when women in combat wasn't even thinkable, Barak says to Deborah, unless you go, I won't go. You come with me, I'll go. And they partner, and they defeat uh, Sisera, this this, this general coming against the nation. And then Deborah sings a song about the men of Israel and how the princes of Israel took the lead. And it's a beautiful parable for exactly what is needed right now, where women have vision, they have value, they need men who see that vision and value. They partner together to win the real battle and rise above gender war and all of the silliness of gender activism and come together in Christ. And we're the ones, Pat, as Christians, who are uniquely called to partner together, but we have to set aside the cultural influence and go to a spirit-empowered relationship with women. And when that happens, when women see the dangerous good, willing to partner, willing to respect, willing to take advantage of opportunity to bring a strong woman into the battle with us, man, that's going to be a witness to culture. Can you imagine on Fox and CNN people saying, women singing the praises of men? Mm, mm. That's, that's possible. That's possible in the spirit through Christ. Now, Kenny, talk to us about powerfully affected children, legacy, worth and peace. Well, Pat, you know this better than, than most people because you, you're a dad. And when you talk about fathers, children, children being hardwired with a longing to be noticed and appreciated and known, and the one person, all the sociology points out that they want to stop and take notice and commit energy to them, uh, is a father. They need strong moments with the father. They need strong identity in the father. They need strong love from a father, strong blessing, strong affirmation. And when that happens, to a child, boy or girl, 
all the research tells us that gives worth, that gives peace on the inside of a child, inner emotional security, because they're seen, they're known, they're loved, they're accepted, which means they're not anxious over those same issues, and they don't find second communities of acceptance in a broken quest to find sonship, to find daughterhood. When you look at the major metro urban cities, 70, 80% fatherlessness rate, four times the levels of unwed teen pregnancy, high school dropout rates, drug use, and incarceration. You don't have to, you know, fiddle with the math. Kenny Luck is with us. His book, Dangerous Good, more with Kenny right after this, right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Hello, this is Earl Mallory, Director of Sales and Marketing for Alliance Community. Alliance Community is a Christ-centered continuing care retirement community located in the heart of beautiful downtown DeLand. Our mission is to provide an environment for our residents which allows them to live as independently as they like with guarantees to protect them of the uncertainties surrounding future health care and financial needs. Our community offers independent living, assisted living, rehab services, skilled nursing care, and Alzheimer's dementia care. For more information, visit us online at alliancecommunity.org. Hi, this is Pastor Paul Blair. I used to play football for the Chicago Bears, but now I'm on the field for Jesus Christ. Pastors, come hear my message of perseverance and commitment to God and country as we reclaim America for Christ at the annual Pastors Appreciation Brunch on October the 11th at the Rosen Plaza. It's absolutely free, so register right now at thewordorlando.com. That's thewordorlando.com. I look forward to seeing you there. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Kenny Luck is our guest, talking about his book, Dangerous Good. Kenny's in Laguna Hills, California. Kenny, the next topic is powerfully delivered justice, relevancy, brilliance, and blackness. Well, Pat, when my wife, and I got engaged. I had to get that ring. You know, I had to find that rock. And um, the jeweler came to my office, and he laid out, uh, opened his briefcase. He put this black velvet mat down. And over the black velvet, he, he, he spread out probably a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of beautiful diamonds. And against that dark backdrop, that dark context, I could see every facet and every shape of every diamond. It was just what a display. I mean, he was no dummy. And the reason I, I talk about brilliance and blackness is, is that, you know, you can see brilliant things against a dark backdrop. And right now in our culture, uh, there is darkness over masculinity. There's a masculine malaise. There is every day in the news cycle, you name it, sexual misconduct, overlooking things, uh, abuse of women. Uh, there's a blackness of injustice connected to broken male culture that involves prostitution, fatherlessness, the orphan epidemic. Every 15 seconds, Pat, a woman gets hit in the face by a man's fist mm. in our country. And uh, that boils my blood and breaks my heart. 
But that blackness sets up the brilliance of a spirit-empowered movement of dangerously good men, men who defend and respect women, men in the mold of Christ, men who combine compassion and caring with their strength in the mold of Christ, a movement that will be embraced. Why? Because it blesses and benefits people. So I feel like right now this book, this movement, the perfect time for it is right now. That injustice, like Jesus did, can be confronted, like Jesus did, by men who are filled with the Spirit and who follow Christ. Kenny Luck, our guest. Kenny, talk about powerfully opposed movement, ferocity, treachery, power, and zeal. Well, you know, in the mold of William Wilberforce, a believer in Jesus Christ who ended the, the British slave trade, in the mold of Abraham Lincoln, in the mold of Martin Luther King Jr., um, history uh, tells the story and measures generations of men who swam against the tide of injustice. And they did it motivated by their faith in Jesus Christ, and there was blowback. Anytime there's a movement of goodness, there are evil men who are insecure and threatened by that and want to protect their evil way of living or perhaps making money. And so as we talk about the dangerous good movement of men, as we talk about expressing Christ-likeness as fellowship, going out and doing good in our cities, confronting evil where we live, there's not going to— People aren't going to lay down and let us do it. Christ was opposed. Lincoln was opposed. Martin Luther King was opposed. Wilberforce was opposed. Mm. Any great movement of a generation of goodness uh, reflects the, the truth that Edmund Burke said. He says, when bad men combine, the good must associate, lest they fall one by one, an unpitied sacrifice in a contemptible struggle. So... This dangerous good movement, the spirit-empowered men's movement that's going to break out all over the world, that's going to be powerfully opposed by evil, and we have to accept that and make our peace with that. Now, Kenny, discuss for us powerfully remembered men, visibility, the song of the unsung. You, you know, Pat, who I highlight in this chapter who is, is my sister Alicia. Mm. Because, because she was called in seventh grade by my English teacher on the old, uh, you know, rotary dial phone. And uh, my, my English teacher called my sister Alicia and said, hey, your brother's failing out of junior high. Can you help him? And that small axle of a choice turned the big wheel of who I am today. Because my sister, as a high school junior, mentored me, put me on the honor roll, all of eighth grade, went into high school with confidence, went to one of the greatest schools in the world, UCLA. But it would never have happened if the unsung heroes of Barbara Muller, my seventh grade teacher, and Alicia Luck, who nobody knows, stepped in to make a decision to intervene in my little life. It's, it, it, it's, it's formative to who I am today. In that chapter, I talk about Barnabas. You know, we wouldn't even know who the Apostle Paul is, unless Barnabas went and grabbed him after he had been rejected by the council in Jerusalem, spent all his relational credit to say, this guy's the real deal, you need to listen to him, and we need to stamp his passport to go plant churches. If Barnabas isn't there and make that small decision to step into the life of another person, we wouldn't have the majority of the New Testament. And so that chapter really talks about the song of the unsung. You know, to be valiant doesn't mean to be visible. To be valiant, right, is to be unpraised sometimes. And so there are listeners right now, I want to encourage them. Step into the life of somebody. You never know the big wheel that turn on the small axles of your intervention in the life of another. Next topic, Kenny, powerfully impassioned men... Fervency, the arrival of revival. Right. When we, when we study the New Testament, we see Jesus in Luke 4 
saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and then he lists all the ways he's going to be dangerous with goodness. He's going to go to the least. He's going to go to the lost. He's going to go to the left out, the oppressed. He's going to go to those who are captive. He's going to set people free. And then we see the men that, that follow him in the book of Acts, chapter 2, filled with his spirit and in his character, do the exact same thing, Pat. They start relieving pain. They start reducing loads. They start raising spirits through their transformation. They start reaching souls. And then we just watch them in the normal throes of life, between church and prayer meetings. They're, they're touching people. They're healing people. And in Acts chapter 4, the whole city of Jerusalem is a buzz over these guys who were once one way, and now they're another way, because, quote, they had been with Jesus. And the Pharisees, their enemies, say, we have witnessed a notable miracle, and the whole city is talking about it. That's the arrival of revival. How did it come? Spirit-empowered men doing good in a city that is a witness to God's power, and people notice, and now we have a revival that, that launched 100,000 people to faith in Jesus Christ in three years in the city of Jerusalem. Kenny, now tell us about powerfully called forward bravery, understanding the times. Well, we live in prophetic times, Pat. Um, the gospel clock is at 11.59 and 59 seconds. And, and, and the reason why I can say that is Jesus said, the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached as a witness to the nation. Then the end is going to come. Well, this earth is getting smaller. The gospel is going everywhere. There are at least 80 organizations reaching unreached people groups with billions of dollars in resources to go do that. So if you're a listener today and you're driving in your car, you're listening to this program, just know that this is the two-minute drill, that there's an urgency to rise, especially if you're a man, and to be brave. You know, the most critical need of the church at this moment, the church has the women and children. The church is waiting for a prophetic arrival of its men who are going to break through the line, surrender to Christ, and muster numbers, and pick a spot, and serve in the mold of Jesus. And so we are in, living in very inspirational, prophetic times. And guess what? When the pushback comes, that means you're on the right track, man. Kenny Luck has been our guest, author of Dangerous Good. Kenny, thanks so much. That's uh, really a good half hour you gave us. That's great. Thanks, Pat. We've got a wrap-up, folks, right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is a special notice to all U.S. taxpayers. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's good news. Due to the financial hardship many are facing in today's economy, the IRS has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative. Qualifying for this program will resolve your tax problem, end all collections, and possibly reduce your back taxes by up to 90%. If you are facing wage garnishments, liens, bank levies, audits, or payroll taxes, Taxes, it's not too late. Your circumstances may qualify you for this special program, protecting your savings and your assets. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's no need to worry anymore. Call the hotline at Victory Tax Solutions to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands. For this free information, call 800-813-1105. 800-813-1105. That's 800-813-1105. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Thanks so much for joining us, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Jamie Rasmussen, our guest in the first segment from Scottsdale, Arizona, talking about his book, How Joyful People Think. And then Kenny Luck plugged in with us, author of Dangerous Good, speaking from his church in Laguna Hills, California. Please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, 
Orlando Magic Pat. And check out my new most recent book. It's called Coach Wooden's Forgotten Teams. We take a look at John Wooden, the UCLA legend, and his summer camps that he ran for many years and so many life lessons and so much to learn about leadership uh, from John Wooden. Well, folks, we'll be back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. And please remember that faith comes by hearing. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word.